You know, what happened with me was, uh, like Jenny mentioned, we were at this pastor's conference, leader's conference, and um, man, I was just exhausted. So when I came home in the afternoon, you know, I, I was, it was like my eyes were really like having a hard time staying awake, and it was like 4 p.m., and so I was like, man, I need to take a, I need to take a nap. So took a two-hour nap, and then, uh, you know, when I woke up, it was dinner time, and uh, so for me, I, you know, I have been, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, nonstop uh, kind of learning what it means to, to be a father of, of, of uh, teenager and uh, uh, middle schooler and, and just, uh, you know, all the different things of, you know, making the breakfast and, and do this for me or do that. And, and uh, you know, this week, my, my wife is uh, up in Washington area. And uh, so I've had to, you know, get extra ready, uh, you know, to help the kids in the morning, get them to school, all that kind of thing. And so all that to say, I was just exhausted yesterday. And, uh, man, I, I had a, a little bit of a break um, because my, uh, my wonderful, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law took care of my kids while we were away. Um, so when I came home and I was just free, just take a, a nice nap and, and uh, prepare for today. Um, well, this morning we, we have a, an interesting passage. We're continuing through the Gospel of Luke. And today we come to the story that is often referred to as the rich young ruler, uh, is, is how it's commonly known. And um, it's just interesting how, how God works and how, how he brings everything together for us. And, and really, as, as I was anticipating, man, we're going to be talking about uh, this story. And, and, and as I was sitting there after my nap and, and eating my meal, you know, what did I do? I'm like, I can't just sit and eat a meal by myself. I need to watch the TV or something, right? So I'm searching my my Netflix, I'm looking on Amazon Prime, whatever. It's like there's got to be something that is kind of interesting that, that I can watch. And so I, I just saw a documentary, and, and I was like, you know what? There's just nothing on here that's interesting, but this is maybe relatable somehow. Maybe, God, you, you put this in front of me because it was all about wealth. And, and this documentary, I, I'm not going to say the name because I can't really recommend it, um, but, but it, was, uh, it was this photographer's journey looking at her career of having this kind of niche of, of documenting, like, the ultra-wealthy. And, you know, so all the, like, solid gold toilets and, and just uh, um, life-size replica. Like, uh, there's, there's one person in, in China that, that, for their house, they made a like two scale replica of the White House. And from the Oval Office, when you look out, they had a replica of Mount Rushmore. You know, and I was like, whoa. You know, so anyway, she she had this career of documenting just extravagant wealth. And so I thought, okay, that looks kind of interesting. Let, let me uh, kind of zone out while I eat my dinner. And one of the things that I found really fascinating about this documentary was uh, she also followed some, you know, people that, that were young people, like high school students. And they were people that may be born into, like, the son of a rock star or, uh, you know, a, a wealthy family or, and, and just how that wealth kind of affected them. And there was, 
there was uh, just this interesting contrast as she shot and or showed these uh, photos that she had shot and interviews she had, had taken uh, when they're in like high school or even junior high, and then 25 years later. And there was one guy who was a, a rapper at like kind of, uh, you know, when, when everything was just being developed. And, and so he was saying like, you know, all his music is about getting money and women and all these things. And he showed like one of his first music video kind of at the end. You're just like, well, this guy is like, he's out there, you know. And, and he said when he left this photography, he was like, hey, when you see me in like 20 years, I'm going to have like 20 million like cash just like there. I'm going to have like 100 million in the bank. Like, like that's my trajectory. Like just wait and see, right? And then when she finds him, you know, decades later, he's got four kids and his whole outlook is totally changed. He's like, no, that's not what, you know, I realize that doesn't matter. Like, I just want to raise my children right. And he was just, his pride was that his daughter had just gotten a full scholarship to, uh, you know, university. And he was like, that's my goal now is just, just to, you know, see all my kids receive education. And, and as she followed these, these other stories, it was interesting because in the beginning of the documentary was so much about like you just saw the flamboyance. Like, you know, I, one guy was like, I looked out in the bay and I could just buy any boat I wanted, like literally. And I just said, which one should I get? And, and he picked one. You know, those kind of stories. And then at the end, he's like crying and he's, and he's old and he's just like, I can't buy a smile from my daughter. I can't get my son to talk to me. I can't like, you know, those kind of things. And I was like, wow, this is just a vivid description of how powerful, you know, that, that grip of, of wealth, of, of power, of fame, of, you know, whatever these things that the world is holding up is like, yeah, this is what we should be going after, right? And then after I'm done eating, you know, then I'm thinking, man, all right. I guess, you know, God just brings these things together. And, and what is our, our passage for today? It's talking about the rich young ruler. And I think Jesus brings to us this encounter because although we may look at it and, and think like how I looked at that documentary and saw, you know, these stories of just this crazy, crazy wealth. And part of me was like, I totally can't relate at all. Right? Just like maybe when we read this passage, there's parts that you're just like, I totally can't relate. But I actually challenge you because what struck me was like, man, I can relate. I can relate because even though I don't have that experience of like, man, there's this crazy extravagant wealth, I understand the pull of that. I understand the, the desire for that. I understand the lure of that. And so this, this passage today, you know, I encourage you all to really to open your heart, open your mind, and, and let's hear what the Lord has to say. So with that, will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill this place? Would you minister to us? Would you open up our eyes? We know that it's only through you that we're able to understand. And so, Lord, we ask that you would open up our, our ears that we could hear, that as we read your word, that it would penetrate into our heart and, and move us, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Now, this story, we can find it. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 18, 18 through 30. You can also find the same story in Matthew 19, 16 to 30, and Mark 10, 17 through 31. And out of those things, we, we get this interesting kind of image of who this rich young ruler is. Now, this is somebody that, that he is not just like, we don't say like, he's not just rich, right? He's like rich, rich, like he has extravagant wealth, right? And he's young. The word that's used in, um, in Mark is, uh, or, or I think the Matthew passage, you know, it refers to his age, that he's somewhere between that age range of 24 to 40. And so that's why it's called the rich young, young ruler. Now, also, one of the things that, that we see a lot in the Scripture that we see as these kind of prominent people in the community interact with Jesus, a lot of times they bring these questions to him, just like we'll read in here, right? But many of those encounters, they're actually a question that they have ulterior motives. They're like, I'm going to ask this question because I want Jesus to mess up. I want him to answer in a way that will make him look bad in a way that will give us reason to like, hey, he's preaching some madness. Like, let's lock him up. Like, that was their kind of motive, is, is like, hey, I'm going to ask this question because I want to trip up Jesus. But that's not the case with this person. With this young man, it's a genuine question. It's a genuine question that he's asking for himself. And I believe we'll, we'll begin to, to see that. So keep that in mind, that this is someone that is coming genuinely to Jesus to ask this question. Verse 18, it says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to e- inherit eternal life? Like, how can I have eternal life? Right? And that's a question that is so important to us. Right? It's the most important question because after we die, what's going to happen? Right? And so this man is asking that. He's saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But when he says good, the word he's using is not saying like, hey, um, you know, if I came up and said, wow, hey, Toby, you amazingly clear, like easy to understand, uh, just great teacher. Like it's not talking about his ability to teach. It's more along the lines of like, hey, you perfect, righteous, holy, uh, law-abiding, like you're amazingly perfect teacher. Like that's the good that he's talking about, like in his heart, like he's good. And Jesus responds to him and, and you know, and, and he doesn't even start with the question. He, he kind of sidetracks and he says in verse 19, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He takes a moment to make this point. He's saying, you know what? Your standard of good is off, right? Your use of that word is off. You know, it's like if I told you that, man, I love some Jiro-style ramen. It's amazing. It's like a mountain of, of amazingness, right? And then I say, I also love my children, Right? It's totally different. It is. Trust me, it's different. <laughs> Sometimes close, but it's different. So, so it's like Jesus is saying, no, 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 your standard is wrong. Like, good? Like, what do you mean good? Like, only God is good. 
right? Only God is good. But then he continues on. He says, okay, I'm going to answer your question, right? He's asking, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What can I do? And Jesus tells him, well, you know, that's simple. You follow the commandments, right? Because they were given these 10 commandments in Exodus 20. We can read about that. And God gave Moses like, hey, here are these commandments that you follow to live your life, right? And so Jesus says in verse 20, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. He's like, hey, follow these commandments. And what does the young man say? He says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now get this, because I I think this is, again, remember, this is a person that I believe is genuinely coming to the Lord, asking him a real question, right? At that moment, I think if he was just, you know, self-righteous, like, oh, yeah, I got it all together, then I think Jesus could have easily been like, oh, you did all those, um, you follow all those commandments, huh? What about this one time? Do you remember that time when this happened? Or, you know, he doesn't say that. He doesn't challenge the man's claim of saying, you know what? Jesus, I've followed all those commandments. I've kept those since I was young. Jesus doesn't challenge that. In 22, as we continue on, Jesus, it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So he doesn't rebuke the man. And the commandments that that Jesus mentions, if you notice, like those commandments, they're dealing with this man's interaction with other people, right? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. You know, don't lie. You should honor your father and mother. Like, he was what people around him in the community would say, man, that's a good guy. That's an upstanding citizen. That's a great role model. That's someone that we want our children to be like. Right? Because he did those things. He was good to other people. But I think it's crazy because then Jesus... I feel like he goes back to the very beginning of those commandments. And that first commandment is that you'll have no other gods before me. Right? These these first commandments are dealing with us and God. He says, okay, you were good in these areas. But let's start at the beginning. Nothing before God. And he says, you lack this one thing. Yeah, you did good, but, but... You're missing something. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now I think like it's it's so amazing the way that that Jesus, even though he doesn't ask a question here, it's like he answers with a question. And Jesus does that all the time. When people would ask him things, he'd ask them a question back, right? And and here, it's kind of like he does the same thing. Except the question that he's asking, while the man is 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 wanting like, like Jesus, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Just tell me. 
and then I can go home. Because I know something's missing. I've been a good person, but something's missing. Just tell me, what do I need to do to fill that? Tell me, what do I need to do to be completely right? And he wants this answer that he can take home, that he can think about, that he can, you know, study and figure out and think, how am I going to do this thing that Jesus gives me? But instead, Jesus gives him a question in the moment. Essentially, that question is, is, hey, here I am. Will you follow me? There's no room for, let me think about this, let me think about that. It's very simple. Will you follow me? Right now. Will you follow me? Right? It's in the moment. It's like if I came up to my friend Gary and I put out my hand, I'm asking a question. Will you shake my hand or will you leave me hanging? Right? It's a choice he has to make in the moment. Right? Him doing nothing or whatever, like that's an answer. Right? And it's the same for us. It's the same for this man that that Jesus says, hey, (laughs) what do you need to do to have eternal life? You got to follow me. You got to follow me. Will you follow me? And the question is, is, you know what? Will you follow me? I know what's holding you back. What's holding you back is your wealth. This passage is not about wealth. It's about what is holding you back from following Jesus. In this man's case, it was his wealth. He was good with other people. He honored the Lord by the way that he lived, right? But that wealth was holding him back. Verse 23 says, When he heard this, when the rich young ruler, when this young man heard this, he became very sad. He became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, this past week, I was invited to, to enjoy a dinner. Um, my best friend, I've known him since we were, you know, babies. Um, you know, he is a finance guy, investment person. And so he said, hey, I'm having this dinner for my clients. And, you know, and he was like, why don't you come? And I was like, ah, I don't really think so. But he was really like, you know, hey, I really want you to come, you know, just enjoy the dinner. It's going to be good food, good entertainment. It'll, you know, other people you know will be there, and, and just just come. And so I felt like, you know what, all right, fine. You know, I'll, I'll go, just want to support him. And and so I went, and it was kind of funny because I, I wound up sitting next to a, a friend that I haven't seen in years because uh, he lives in the Bay Area, and he's a businessman. He he flew down on a jet and and just for this event, and I was like, wow, that's crazy, you know, and we were talking, and he brought up a story like, man, I remember this trip that we took, you know, and this was before I was a pastor. Uh, we were in Vegas, and he was like, yeah, this is all I remember. You know, I'll never forget that day, and I was like, I don't remember any of that, you know, at all, you know, but he was just like, like, just so excited, like, man, do you remember this happened? I was like, no, I don't at all, like, um, and 
and I was thinking about like about Vegas and and you know I I've never been a big gambler but um you know I did a little bit when before I was a pastor and you know that's one of the things that we commit to as uh, free methodist pastors that we you know don't participate in gambling and, and I totally encourage that because I think that that lure of easy money is is so so addicting right and I began to think about you know about when you play some of these games and you start out like, you know, we're all poor. So we're like, Hey, minimum bet. We start out with a bet and then that wins. And you're like, Oh, I won. And you're thinking, okay, if I just leave that, that I won, then, then I can keep growing it. And so you leave it and then maybe you win again and it got bigger and you're like, Oh, Hey, now we're starting to go somewhere. And you're like, ah, should I push my leg? Ah, you know, and you're thinking like, ah, well, I only started with a little bit. So if I lose all of this, it's not that big of a deal, right? And you're like, all right, I'll just, let's bet again. And then you win. And now, maybe you start out with $5 and maybe it's $60. And you're like, hey, that's like, that's a, that's more than like, you know, a good steak buffet dinner or something. You know, that's like, or maybe these days that's about what it costs. I don't know. But, but, you know, there's a point where it becomes enough. Right? That it's not easy to just let go. There's a point where it becomes enough, and you're like, ah, I gotta think about this. What are the odds? What does it look, you know, ah. And then maybe you say, no, nah, I can't do it. And you just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm cash now. I can, you know, you take your chips and your money, whatever, and you leave the table, right? And that's what happens here. Is Jesus says, you know, come follow me. And the man has too much. That's why he says it's hard for the wealthy to enter in. It's hard to let that go because it has become too much. That they see it's too much. It's too much. It's not a minimum. It's not a little bit. It's too much. Can't let it go. In closing, just so that we understand, because at, at the end of this, the rest of the people around him, you know, they're like shocked. They're like, wait, 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 wait. If this guy turned away and he couldn't be saved, then what about us? <laughs> what about the rest of us? Because in their culture, being wealthy meant that you were doing something right, that, that God was blessing you. This was an upstanding person and God was blessing him. And if he can't have eternal life, there's no hope for me, right? He's saying, who can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, saying, yeah, you're right. You can't. You can't. But with God, you can. Right. And Peter, you love Peter. He says, we left everything we have. We left all we had to follow you. And Jesus, I think, reassures him, saying, hey, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come eternal life. Right? An equivalent to that is if I told you, you know what, hey, what do you need to do to be a good Christian? It's to be someone that influences others, that shares the gospel that shares this message that, you know what? Who is Lord? Who is King? Jesus is King, right? 
this is this is a buzz. This is what I woke up to this morning. You show the the Times Square. This is a worship leader I follow, but he showed this picture of this is an ad for for Kanye West's album, right? And it's titled "Jesus is King," and it's a big controversy because people are like, "Is he really Christian? Is he not Christian? Is he, you know, whatever?" And this worship leader says, "You know what? <laughs> whatever the reason, this weekend millions of people will." walk by this and read Jesus is king and he said because of that I praise God right and it's like if I told you you want to be a good Christian you got to share the gospel Kanye didn't do enough right that's what it's like and you're like Kanye didn't do enough Tim Tebow didn't do enough Billy Graham didn't do enough how am I going to do that he says, you're right, you can't do it on your own. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why we're here today. That's why we, we take communion and we remember that for us to have eternal life, to have a relationship with God, when that young man says, what must I do? Jesus says, nothing, you can't do it. It's impossible for you. It's only possible with God. And as we take communion, we remember that it's only because of Jesus that we're able to have communion with the Lord, that we're able to have relationship with him, that we're able to go through this life and to have joy and fulfillment and peace. So when we look at our weekly challenge, read Luke 18, 18 to 30, and think about what is going on here, right? That's our no part. Grow, if we, if Jesus asked us to leave all and follow him, you know, what would that all be? What would he tell you to give up? Would it be wealth, like this rich young ruler? Uh, Would it be maybe your work? Would it be uh, sports? Would it be, you know, what is it that is holding you back, that is is keeping you from, from making that commitment to the Lord? And for those of us that are Christians, that we say, hey, we've received that gift from God, we have you know, made that decision to follow him with life. Well, I believe that our lives are filled with these moments where Jesus is standing before us and saying, hey, will you shake my hand? Will you follow me? Will you come now? Will you do the right thing or will you not? It's not something to think about another time. It's an immediate question, yes or no, right? So overflow, pray that, pray that God will lead you. Pay attention to the moments when he calls you to obedience. And um, and I think you'll find that that if you pay attention to that, that in those moments when Jesus is saying, hey, <laughs> smile at, at you know, the person serving you food. Hey, maybe tip them. Hey, say hi to this person. Hey, ask your brother if he needs help moving. You know, hey, you know, whatever it is that he puts before you, then you'll begin to see, you know, just your life change. You'll begin to see people being blessed. Just like if that rich young ruler sold all that he had, who was going to be blessed? The poor, right? How blessed would they have been? Wow, right? And I encourage you, whether positive or negative, where you said yes or you said no, share that moment with another believer or record it for yourself, you know? But think about that. Um, You know, how did I respond in that moment? So...
Let's pray and we'll, we'll finish with communion. Pastor Toby's going to come up. Lord God, we thank you for your word and, and for how you challenge us. Lord God, there's so much that, that we could go into and, and just uh, so much teaching that we can glean from this passage. But Lord, very simply at the heart of this is a question of will we follow you? And Lord, we know that that is impossible out of our own will to, to, to be good, to be righteous, to, to be people that are worthy You've given us your spirit, and so that what is impossible with man is possible with you. So, Lord, let us lean into that. Let us uh, follow your guiding. Let us be filled with your spirit that we would be obedient to your call. That we would be people that are full of joy and are truly living. In your name we pray. Amen.